Welcome to the Fused Fitness Formula, where we share information and motivation from people just like you, our coaches, and medical and fitness professionals, so that you can have all the tools you need to create healthy habits that fit into your lifestyle and set you up for success. Hey, Fit Fam, welcome to another episode of the Fused Fitness Formula. Today, Sarah and I are going to be talking about food stories. So it sounds a little weird, sounds interesting. We're going to get into the nitty gritty of what a food story is. We'll each share our own food stories. And Mm. then I know it sounds exciting. (laughs) It does. It's very juicy. Um, (laughs) And then we'll, we'll talk about why it's so important to know and understand your food story, like how knowing and understanding it makes a difference in your progress and your growth when it comes to making changes that support you and your body. And then also how to control the narrative around the food story so that you can change it going forward and take control of it instead of allowing it to have control over you. Ooh, I like that. Right? It's all within our control. So what we're going to talk about first is what a food story is. And I love how eloquently you describe it when you talk to people, Sarah. So that's all you, girl. No pressure. (laughs) (laughs) So do your thing. (laughs) Okay. So I don't know about eloquent, but it's kind of, like you said, a weird concept. And when you first introduce it to people, um, you know, I think everybody has a different relationship with food and history. So it kind of strikes people differently. Um, But in a nutshell, your food story is basically how you've related to food in your life um, and what it's meant to you, you know, over the course of your entire life from the time you were a child until this moment, right? Like, like how, what that picture was, um, the influence food has had on you. For some of us, you know, we eat to live, food's not a big deal, but for many of us, and I think for the majority of us, especially when I think about it in like a a social and a cultural sense, food has a lot more meaning than just nutrients, right? Food supports our bodies, um, but we all relate to it in a certain way. And the idea of having a story now, I'm, I'm sure there's like a psychological official term for these types of things, but just like we've talked about um, in the past, having a story, like we all have stories with all the different types of things in our lives, right? Like a money story, um, how you relate to money based on your experiences with it, your parents' experiences with it, like all the, the things you've been exposed to in that realm, relationships, marriage, work, like we, we have stories with all these different things in our lives, hundreds of stories that essentially form like who we are as a person, right? The, the whole person. And I think your food story is one piece of that, but it's a super important piece, especially when you are, um, you know, signing up for say nutrition coaching or you're starting training or you're trying to start some sort of like wellness betterment in your life. You want to be better in terms of your nutrition or your wellness, your health. Um, so I always like to ask people, you know, what's your food story? That way I can get to know um, what the relationship you've had with food has looked like over the course of your life, because certainly that influences who you are today. Right. Yeah. So I think that a big thing to note here too, is that that can come from your personal experiences around food, like a traumatic experience, maybe Mm -hmm. an embarrassing experience, uh, food, like you said, socially being on a societal level, what food means to us or, like yo-yo dieting being such a yes. big thing in our society. That's a, that's a, a collective food story right there. 
Um, I'm unhappy. I'm going to quickly fix it. And then I'm going to not really change any other pattern. So that's definitely plays into our food story society, Mm -hmm. uh, family upbringing experiences, traumatic experiences. And that those are all ways that we relate to food because I think it's important to note what a food story is. I find that when I do ask people that question, they just say what their pattern is, Mm -hmm. but it's important to understand why you have that pattern. Yes. In order to change it. So it is what your pattern is around food, but also why is it that way? Because if you're unable to identify that, that's going to be a big source of like validation and changing it. So true. Once you identify what's causing that pattern, like that's, that's the sweet stuff there. That's when you can really begin to like unravel that and make some like actual long-term changes. Totally. And, and again, like it could be, it could be one instance that like completely, destroyed how you relate to food and and your body too because that also plays into your food story or it could be a series of experiences just a collective experience so it's really important to take all those things into consideration totally Mm -hmm. so we're gonna talk about our food stories Mm. do you want to go first i'll go first awesome so for me um my food story is Similar to how you said in the beginning, to be completely honest, food for me, there's two things that I think of. Like, I really don't put too much importance into it, but there are times when I find myself in in negative patterns and loopholes, mm-hmm. and that will be like – we talked about it on another episode, yo-yo dieting, on how to reverse yo-yo dieting um, or years of yo-yo dieting, um, but – for me, it's like the, the week I'm on point, the weekend, I'm like a free for all. Um, in the week, it's not hard for me to focus, but during the weekend, again, free for all. And I think that that for me comes from my upbringing of scarcity around food. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, you know, having dinner at night and if it was like, like I grew up in a Puerto Rican household. So one of the dishes that we had frequently was called arroz con calamares, which is just like rice with like random seafood that my mom threw in there, usually canned seafood with some like frozen shrimp. Anyway, it was really good. And um, I remember like it was like rationed to, in a sense, like it was like you can only have three shrimp with dinner. Mm. Like everyone can only I put enough in for everyone to have three shrimp. Um, there were wow. times when like, yeah, like very like you can only have. So I had that in my mind a lot. There are times when um, I would have friends over and my mom would pull me aside and be like, there's not enough food for your friends to eat. Now, could there have been enough food? Sure. But I think like my mom grew up with her mom who grew up uh, probably with a scarcity mindset from Puerto Rico and then moved here around the time of the Great Depression or a little bit after. So it probably makes sense for them like generationally to feel like there was never enough food around. Mm. So now when I'm out on the weekends, I'm not eating to fuel my body. I'm eating, I'm out eating. I'm like, I'm going to eat every damn freaking fry on this plate because <laughs> it's paid for. Yeah. And because I'm out to eat and I don't eat this shit at home and I don't make it during the week. So like, there's a lot going into that, that like up and down of like, if I'm out, I'm going to eat it all. Um, and I'm not necessarily ordering healthy food because it's the weekend and that's a societal thing. That's a social outing thing. When you're out, you don't, yeah, maybe like depending on your uh, group of friends and how health conscious they are, you might order something on the healthier side. So those two elements combined together, I think create 
for me, a pattern of yo-yo dieting, mm-hmm. um, again, being good during the week, being off on the weekends and, and then repaying for that up until like Wednesday of the next week when I start to feel good, like Thursday, Friday. So that's been like a very big food story for me. Again, like in the terms of like during the week, like it's, I don't give, I give food the importance to me in my life at this point. I think it deserves. I usually do just use it as fuel. Mm -hmm. I don't feel restricted. I enjoy what I'm eating. I make sure that I'm eating when I'm hungry and I follow values and, and food like rules in my lifestyle that are aligned with myself. So that's, that's my food story. Do you ever think that if you, I don't want to say like let yourself have more things, but I guess just leave more room for the types of things that you enjoy on the weekends during the week. Do you think you would be less likely to feel so inclined to do that on the weekends? So what I, my approach, the approach that I've been taking more frequently over the last few weeks is um, honestly like asking my body what it needs and wants because I find that that. when I'm out, like, I'll be like, oh, cheeseburger, oh, this, like that. And I know that I shouldn't be eating dairy. Mm. And my loved ones know that I shouldn't be eating dairy. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone that's close to me after I eat dairy (laughs) would agree with the statement. Um, And so, like, I'll I'll ask myself instead because when I do that, I'm actually eating based on, like, what I want versus what I feel almost, almost like an automatic pilot program to get. Yes. And like, I'll be like, okay, I, I'm going to stay consistent with how I'm eating during the week. I'm going to make sure I have a protein, a carb, a fat. And like, if there's something like it does come with fries, I'm going to eat a few of those fries, but I also know how that makes my gut feel and how that makes me feel. So I've been eating more intuitively lately and that's been more helpful than like trying to span those things out on the weekends, which I think is a great tactic and method as well, but spanning those things out that I would eat on the weekends during the week. Gotcha. Yeah, that's, that's cool. I like that idea of, of eating intuitively, you know, if that's where you're at, I think that can be a really successful, like, um, potentially successful strategy for people. And I also, it also keeps you from, like you're saying, just sort of going along with like, oh, it's the weekend, or oh, it's this time. So I'm just going to have the thing that I always have, or the thing that everybody else is having, just because that's like, what we're supposed to do is like, like, you're actually asking yourself, okay, I'm gonna leave some room for something more fun, or maybe that's not the most, you know, health conscious choice. But you're actually, you actually want it. It's not just something you think you want or you're, like you're saying, autopilot wanting. I like that. Yeah. And I find that, like, like, let's say if Joe and I go out to eat or something and he's eating, like, all this dairy, like, I found the last couple of weeks, so this is just a recent shift for me, I'll feel, like, sorry for myself for, like, a hot second. <laughs> and then I'm like, no, girl, it's not a big deal. It's fucking food and you're going to be out of this restaurant in, like, less than an hour. You're fine. Um, yeah, I get that. And like, yeah, I get like food envy. And then let's say like we, we do barbecue all the time. So, you know, cornbread probably definitely has like dairy in it. I'll have like a bite or two. I'm not going to friggin' just not enjoy it. But like, for the most part, I'm not eating straight up cheese. If it's just butter, like I'm being, I just am a hundred percent being more mindful for sure. I love that. Being more mindful is like the key to life. I feel like. Mm -hmm. A thousand percent. So what about you? Tell us your food story. I always find listening to your food story so fascinating because mine just feels so like opposite in certain ways, but also so similar. Like you, you have this, like, you know, you're, you're the dinner you're eating where you're sort of like not ration. Cause I feel like that's an aggressive term, but like 
you know, you really, you're, you're kind of like portion controlled, right? And you, you grew up with that mindset. Whereas I grew up in a, a big Italian family. Um, my mom is an amazing cook. She's, she cooks such delicious food. Um, and food was always just sort of like how, you know, my, my grandparents, my, my entire family always expressed like anything really. So like love, pain, happiness, sadness, togetherness, joy, like anything good or bad, like food was, it's, it's, it's there for you. It's kind of like a coping mechanism, but it's also like so culturally prevalent. It's such a, it's like a presence. It's like this, this omnipresence in, in your life, at least in my life growing up in this type of family. Um, and I understand that that's, that's just, that was just like the way that I was shown love, like an overabundance of food. Right. So I was always kind of like surrounded by tons of food, delicious food. I love food. Like I am not a picky eater. I grew up enjoying like whole foods, but also like very calorically dense foods, you know? Um, and, and I was just kind of like surrounded by that, that vibe all the time, big family gatherings. But even like when my mom was just cooking, like she'll cook for like, you know, 15 people when it's just like like three three of us eating. Yeah. Yeah. Like if there's Mm -hmm. not, and I carry that with me till today of like, if I'm entertaining or I'm, you know, trying to like show love to somebody, I will make enough food so that there's like leftovers for two days. Cause if not, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, what you could fill a cavity with that. Like it doesn't make any sense. Um, But, but so, so that was kind of like the, the, the general like vibe I grew up around food wise, but at the same time, um, and I've told you this before, like a lot, pretty much all the women in my family, like my, my aunts, my grandma, my mom were pretty much like constantly what I would say yo- is yo-yo dieting, like, which I think it's common for that time frame too. Cause I grew up, you know, we grew up in the nineties and like a lot of fad diets, I think there was like less of an anti-diet push at that time. So like, you know, the Atkins diet, even like the low fat was still around. Like those things were really, really powerful. And like those, those programs, like your Jenny Craig, like all that stuff was very, very popular. You know what I mean? Like, so I think for, for our parents to be pretty involved with that is like, it's a normal thing. I'm not saying like, you know, I don't blame them for a negative relationship with food or anything, but it was just sort of like the norm of the time. So I would, I would see us be cooking all this food, eating all this food. And then like, everybody was sort of planning to like diet the next day and like, oh, I'm going to go back on the diet tomorrow. So this like total disconnect. Um, and that creates that, that like that classic restrict, overdo it, repeat diet cycle, which is like, in my opinion, extremely toxic, um, that so many of us tend to fall into when we start yo-yo dieting, because we never really quite get where we're trying to be. Um, so I, again, like I had this disconnect between cook, like all this cooking, all this eating and love, and then like restriction and this idea of losing weight, which are totally untenable, um, at least like in the way that it was being done around me. Um, and I can see now that 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 like contributed to just like a really negative relationship with food that I had, I would say up until like, you know, maybe five or so years ago, um, which I think, you know, we're always kind of working on these things, just like, you know, you're working on that weekend stuff. Like it's, it's, it's always a process. I don't think we ever really arrive. Um, but, but like, I, I would just, I, I would kind of like take on that see, seeing people dieting and like saying, okay, so eating less is better. Um, but then I'd be like starving. Right. So I'd take the whole day. I'd like pack like you know, some carrots or something for lunch when I would go to school, you know, in like uh, elementary school, middle school, high school, like even college, I would do this type of stuff where like, I didn't really know what I was doing. But I was like, okay, if I eat less, like, I'll probably just lose weight. Um, And I remember even going on like, um, like those message boards or like Tumblr of like those thin spo accounts and like looking at like really skinny people and all these people were posting like, Oh, I'm only gonna drink Diet Coke today, like stuff that's like really disordered, you know, like, that shit's toxic as hell. Um, and yeah. I, I just remember being really like 
impressed by like skinny people and this and it was such a such a like total like mind like I look back at it now I'm like that is I would hate to see anybody my age at that point do that um so I continued this pattern of sort of like you know that binge restrict cycle for years and years and years and when that really changed was I would say like five-ish years ago when I started weight training because that's when I realized that food as much as like I've always enjoyed it and it's been a fun thing for me to cook and like I've related to my family in a great way through it. Um, it caused me so much like pain and stress. And that was the first time I really looked at food as fuel to like build my body and to support myself and be energy um, and build my confidence. Um, so like that, that shift that I started, I would say like, like I said, five ish years ago or so when I really started like, training like a real person it totally flipped the script on like what food meant to me and I started seeing it in this positive light as like a a thing that could support me um and make me feel really good and like for that reason that's that's like why part of the reason I became a trainer in the first place is like seeing that 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 training like starting that action can affect something so aggressive as like this overarching food story that's affected me my entire life and caused me to have a really fucked up relationship with food. Um, and that's like, I was like, okay, I want to be able to, you know, help other people find that kind of stuff. Um, so that's like kind of how I would describe like the main events of my like food story. Um, but like I said, the story continues. Like I find myself tripping up, um, kind of like those little triggers finding themselves into my life here and there. Um, and we just have to keep reevaluating, you know, keep saying, okay, so what caused this? Like, why, why did I fall into this? Like, of course it's, it's less, I would say toxic than it was, you know, when I was in the thick of it or like when either of us were in those sort of like rougher times in terms of, of figuring out where we're supposed to be. But I think, I think it's always good to just like notice that stuff, be like, okay, like the, what the hell is going on in my life that I'm deciding or that I'm, I'm, I'm being pulled toward doing this thing that I know is super bad for me. See, I love that. And I think that that leads us right into like why it's important before we even touch base on that. Would you say that because the, like you were so empowered by strength training, like food wasn't even a second thought or what did you do in those moments? And even now when you get tripped up besides like, and I get you're saying like being mindful or noticing the trigger, noticing the thought and the pattern. But like when you first started changing your your story around food was it easy because it just fell into place or did you still have to work at it I think it took work like I think um it was a slow process of still falling into like the 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 restriction and then kind of like overdoing it cycle at first but once I realized that like the more consistent I was like if I could just you know make sure I was eating a decent amount of protein regularly eating a, you know, a decent amount of carbs to support the training I was doing. Um, that became like a, a feeling in my body that I was like, okay, this feels a lot better. Right. And I, I think that's what happens when we're in those negative habits. Like we have to feel how good it feels to not do the negative thing because that's like the, that's the trigger thing, the self soothing, the instant gratification thing. When we feel how good it feels to be out of that, like repeatedly. I think at first, like we, we have a couple of good days or we have a couple of good experiences and we're like, wow, like this is what it could be like if I didn't fall back into this like total bullshit. But I think it just took feeling good enough for me to be like, this is how I want to be. You know, like this, this has to be how I am or else like my life is going to continue to be so shitty. 
Yeah, that's cool because it's it's like follow the feeling to build confidence, and that's yes. really what it is. Because and that's in everything, right? And it's the same mm-hmm. thing with like I we always say this too with like working out and starting a fitness routine. Like it might suck in the beginning, but you have to understand like you, there has to be something that goes off in your brain that's like this sucks and I'm terrible at it, but mm-hmm. I do see the potential benefit and the reward, and that it, that's what keeps you coming back, and then you start to see the changes. Yeah. And it does even like you're saying, even though it like it can, the actual action of it can be like super, um, not painful, but you know, like, like challenging. I think once you hit that sweet spot of like, it feels so, so much better to do this than to not do this is like, that's when, that's when you're golden, you know, that's when like, you're probably not going to go back to the, the way it was before. Definitely. And honestly, I can say that's how I've been feeling with changing my nutrition habits as of late, um, just based on like how my body's been feeling. It's like, I know if I'm going to feel better and it makes it less and it, it makes it easier, less hard. Yeah. It's, it's almost like you have to kind of hook yourself on it. Um, yeah. Which isn't to say that it's perfect, but it, it really becomes like what you truly want versus like, like we were saying before, what we kind of think we want, you know, right. Or what's yeah. going to satisfy the, the instant craving. Gratification. Yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So, yeah, like, okay, so when we kind of, like, overlapped and why why it is important to know your food story is for that reason exactly, because when those triggers come up, how are you manipulating them, and how are you reacting? Are you going to straight up react and go back to an old pattern, or are you going to sit there and think, you know, think it through and think to yourself, like, is is this going to make me feel good in the long term, or is this just something I'm doing for the here and now? Yeah, absolutely, and I also think like knowing your food story, which is kind of like a, a vague thing. Like, what does that mean? Does that mean that you can like reflect or that you've like, you'll think about it and you've written it down, but it doesn't really matter how you go about doing it, but just like being kind of aware, like accepting it, acknowledging it. Um, even if it makes you uncomfortable, like I would say that for many years, I never even talked about this because it made me super freaked out to talk about. And like, I was just like really strange and no one knew what I was talking about. Um, and there was a lot of shame in it, you know, like, and, and I'm not saying that that's everybody, but I do think there is like this, this, this very prevalent, like feeling of, of shame relating to food, especially with women, you know, which is kind of like a product of, I would say a lot of like diet industry type stuff projecting onto us. Um, but, but the more you kind of like know your food story, it's just, it's just like anything else, you know, more about yourself. Once you know yourself, just like you said before, you know, you can anticipate how you're going to react Um, but also like knowing what your food story is, gives you like power over it. Like if you, if you know who you are, if you know, like what's happened in your past, you can address it. Like you can actually take that stuff and use it in some sort of, of like positive way, like flip the script on it and use it to fuel yourself to be better going forward. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. No, that's, and cause you need to, you you almost need to validate it, like bring light to it. It's like calling somebody out on their bullshit. Like Mm -hmm. if you beat around the bush, they're going to think they got away with it. Right. Like Mm -hmm. if you sit there and say like, like it's the same thing. You're just calling yourself out and you're saying like, Hey, this is, this is a pattern. Like, how am I dealing with it? You have to bring light to it. You have to validate it in order to change it. If you don't, if you don't validate it, it's just going to be like lurking in the shadows, like waiting for you to just slip up again exactly then a weak moment hits and like that shit comes on like with a vengeance and and you know this this can be like 
tough work to do on your own too. So, you know, if you're somebody who, you know, you see somebody like a therapist or a food therapist, like that could be a way to go, like working with somebody to help you kind of tease through this stuff. Um, but I, I think, I think having like, I don't know, I just having more power over the things that like have held you back in your past is something that I feel like super passionate about. If you can't tell, like, because I, I feel like this, like my relationship with food and my food story for me is, this is why I ask it of people. Cause for me, it's so huge. Like that's what led me down the path of like what I, I do today because I turned that like intense pain, like, like really shitty, just like, like secretive weirdness, like shameful type stuff, like intense pain. Like I turned that into what I do as my passion now, you know? And like, we can't all just like take our bullshit and like turn it into like flowers. I get it. But like taking the stuff that you're struggling with and like applying the lessons at the very least or or using that in some way to be successful, like going forward, I think is huge. Like, why not use that? It's part of who you are. You can absolutely um, use that as ammunition in whatever you're trying to change at at this point in your life, I think. Yeah, 100 percent. And you think it's as long as you are and, and like you said, like that moment of weakness that comes around that's going to always happen. And there are going to be moments when even when you are validating, even when you are doing all the right things, you're still going to be caught Mm -hmm. in a situation where you're going to react or depending on how deep that wound goes, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But it's all about, it's the patience game again. Like how much patience are you really going to have realizing that if you're 25 years old, 35 years old, 45 years old, and you're just identifying your food story, the older you are, the harder it is to change those patterns. Mm -hmm. So you have to be patient with yourself. Something that you brought up too, just about shame, it's just reminding me of like in terms of food stories as well, like how much judgment is cast around people. So like even if your Mm -hmm. food story isn't necessarily just like straight up what food means to you, it's also important to remember, and this is like a side note, is – you know, how people around you talked about other people, right? So my Mm. grandma is infamous for like walking up behind you, grabbing your love handles and telling you you have chichos, which is Mm. like fat rolls. Like, so (laughs) now, you know, I, I catch myself once in a while or used to, especially before I really got into, um, before I got into really fitness and training and judging, judging myself when I put weight on and then, projecting that judgment onto other people too Mm. and that's a really unhealthy pattern because that was it really comes down to me and my feelings of security or insecurity and again once you learn how to control how you're looking at your food story and you're able to manipulate that and really manipulate your worth and how you talk to yourself how you think about yourself because a lot of food comes down we're using food and we're blaming it but it really comes down to self-worth And um, once you're able to really like zone in on that and manipulate it, like we're talking about in this episode, that's when you feel way more liberated and you're not looking at your chichos and (laughs) thinking about that. So that's important too. You're, you're so right. I I love that you brought that up because I can, I can remember like I would do something similar. Like I would, I have a sister who's a year older than me and we have very similar body types. And I would always just be like comparing myself like, oh, I think her waist is smaller or like even with my friends who were always very slender you know, like you, you're constantly like comparing yourself and defining your worth up against uh, like other people. Like that's the metric you're using for your own success is like, how, how am I, how skinny am I in comparison with this like random ass person, which is so fucked up. Like, you know what I mean? Like from the time you're a young child, like a lot of us as girls, like we're exposed to that kind of stuff or it's whoever we're seeing like 
on TV or in pop culture, like, I think, I think these days, like, a lot of younger women have some good role models in terms of, like, um, you know, body positivity or just, like, like, a new narrative coming along with that kind of stuff. But I still think, like, like, it's deeply ingrained in us to always kind of, like, it's, it's always a good thing if we're, like, a little bit smaller, you know? And, like, and that, that I think is something that we really should, we should be questioning. Like, we should continue to question that because I think, I think that affects our food stories, like, like that, that self, that self-worth, those insecurities like that. I know for me, like as a child or as like a young woman, insecurity and anxiety, um, and like obsessing about my body was what was causing all that stuff. Like, yes, I was around dieting from a young age, but the fact that I would look in the mirror and not like what I see, even when I was like, there was nothing wrong with me. Um, that's what caused me to have all this like insecurity and anxiety, which fueled all of the really negative behaviors. Right. It's just like, it's a loop. It's a total loop of like, one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. Mm-hmm. And so. it's just, yeah, you, you hate to see it. Yeah, definitely. It's, it, and, and you do get to see it more from an objective standpoint, the more that you're aware of your story. Mm-hmm. You start to like connect the dots. You're like, I see what's happening with this person and not in, and not in a judgment way, just in a, I get like, I, I see where they are in their loop. And that's why it's so important to get control over your food story. Yes, absolutely. Once you can con- gain a little bit of power over it, acknowledge it, accept it, um, notice your actions or patterns and your triggers. Like, I think the next step in that is really asking yourself what you need, you know, just like you would do if you were intuitive eating, right? Like ask yourself, okay, what do I want the next chapter of this food story to look like? Like, do I want to end up in the same place a year from now? Do I want to see myself feeling more food freedom? Do I want to address a specific nutritional goal? Like ask yourself what you want. You, it's your life. It's your story to keep writing. Like you have the power to decide what comes next. Always in everything, even when Mm -hmm. it seems like you don't have anywhere else to go. Um, I really love that. And we talk about this all the time when you're starting a program, when you're starting a lifestyle change, I hate saying a diet. Like I won't even identify with that myself, but when you're just changing around some element of your life for you to improve, whether you're choosing to do a a quick fix or you're choosing to do a more long-term sustainable approach, these are the questions that you need to ask yourself around food. You know, what is my food story? Um, write out what food means to you and the patterns that you have with food and then get deeper with why. Why does food mean this to me? Why do I consistently yo-yo? Is it, you know, if we both yo-yo, mine has to do with being, uh, like having a scarcity mindset from a child, but yours might have to do with, because that's literally what you saw, Mm -hmm. um, like you said, so different but similar at the same time, asking yourself why, and then going from there. What new story do I want to create? And, and, and also validating it, giving it space to be like, you know what, this, this is my food story, and I understand why. Like, I'm not going to get angry about it. I'm going to choose to change it going forward. Absolutely. It's all about, like, validating the fact that it's, this is all part of who you are, and, like, you don't have to rewrite it or erase it or, like, censor it like that's it's be don't be afraid to be honest with yourself about where you've been and like what you actually want to do going forward totally and and um you know I think like something I've noticed working with women is how emotional women get around food and to me that's an indicator that food is the outcome the the cause is again how our worth and usually if food's attached to like 
family or societal. It's like what that's telling us about who we are and what we deserve, what we're worth, or we're not, we're not good enough. Like that plays a huge role in just understanding how everything is so interconnected. Yes. So true. Good stuff. Such a good episode. I love stuff like this because it's so, I feel like it's like, maybe this is dramatic. I feel like it's really (laughs) enlightening. Like when you start to be like, wait a second, like it's, I'm not doing everything wrong. I'm not doing, you know, I'm not, um, yeah, misusing like this approach, whatever, you know what I mean? I know you know what I mean, but (laughs) like, it's that whole like realization of like, wait, I am doing the right things. I need to couple the actions that I'm taking, the actual actions with a healthy mindset around what I'm doing. Yes, I love that. And I think it also, I like, I like the fact that we're talking about this kind of stuff. Like even, even if nobody's listening to it, like for me, like just on a personal selfish level, it's very therapeutic to like talk through my experiences, hear about yours. And I think it's good for people to understand that a lot of us are going through very similar type things. Um, You know, we live in a society where where there's a lot of food and there's also a, a lot of pressure on us. And like, there's a lot of like disordered, I guess, like relationships with food that happen as a result of a number of things. And just to know that like someone's kind of sharing an experience of like food anxiety or just like, you know, food discomfort or getting stressed out about eating certain things, it's, it can be comforting to know that other people are, are experiencing that as well. Dude. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think it's important to have those relationships in your life too. So like, if this is something that you're experiencing, like, do you have a friend or a group of friends that you can talk about this with? Cause that's a freaking great conversation to have over a glass of wine. Like yes. let's be fucking vulnerable. What's going on. Why do I feel this way? What's happened in my life? What are my experiences? You know, Mm-hmm. And just, like, opening up about it and bringing light to it, it just feels like a weight's lifted off your chest. Exactly. And, like, the two of us are people who, like, you know, we're, we're into fitness. We, you know, people like to ask us about, like, what we eat, like, all that kind of stuff. Like, we're people who have, like, come far along in this journey. But, like, we still struggle with this. Like, this is a universal thing. It's, it doesn't just affect somebody who, you know, is still at the beginning of their nutrition or dieting journey. Like, this, this stuff stays with you and you learn and you grow and we have – and it's been so great to be able to apply that and help other people. But like this, like we're in this together. Always. Always. My heart's swelling. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for listening to today's episode. That is a wrap. And if there's anything that you want to hear us talk about, like if you're struggling with your food story and you want to share it with us, you don't have to talk about that on the podcast. But um you know, we definitely want to hear what you guys want to hear more of because that's important. And if you cannot tell by now, a lot of it is mindset stuff based on practical applications and experiences that we've had already training people. So we like to bring in that element, you know, obviously what we've seen work through our experience Mm -hmm. and, and the perspective around it too. So coupling the two together, the perfect marriage between the two. Yes, absolutely. But there's no such thing as a perfect marriage. There's nothing <laughs> conventional anymore. <laughs> yes. No, no such thing. But as conventional, that is. Um, <laughs> all right. Thank you guys for listening. And we'll catch you on the next app. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.